your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. Bills Mafia, what's up? I'm Mike Lindsley, your host of the Pandemonium Podcast here on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Hey, make sure you follow us, subscribe, download, rate, review, all that good stuff across all the social channels including our new YouTube page, Built in Buffalo, and follow us on Twitter as well, at Built in Buffalo underscore. We're doing it seven days a week, audio, video, and a ton of articles at builtinbuffalonews.com. So make sure you get all over it uh, for your Buffalo Bills. Tough week, obviously, last week, uh, you know, for the Bills uh, in that just wild game, losing to the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to give you my thoughts on that game. I'll look ahead to the Browns, but first... I have a tremendous, tremendous guest to bring on to the show. He is simply one of the best in the business, NFL insider for ESPN, longtime journalist, unbelievable at what he does, great reporter. It's Dan Graziano, and you can follow him on Twitter, at Dan Graziano ESPN. Dan, amazing to have you, buddy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing, Mike? I'm good. I appreciate you asking, and I just am going to get right to it here, uh, is it panic time for the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's they've lost three games. They certainly could have won all three of them. They've lost them by, I think, two, three, and three points. I, I mean, I almost, I almost feel like it took like a total disaster meltdown by Josh Allen to, you know, for the Vikings to win that game in overtime. By the way, so I, I would not panic. I think they still have an excellent team. I still think they've played. When they've been at their best, they've played better than anybody else. And, you know, what you hope is that Josh Allen, still a young player, as great as he is, you know, takes a step back and goes, all right, look, this is we're talking about one or two plays a game here where, you know, if I just swallow my pride here a little bit, maybe I don't make a mistake that costs us. And, and they are certainly good enough to get on any kind of run when every single game they play um, – and continue to roll toward the Super Bowl so many people were predicting for them. It's just a matter of how do they react to this sudden stretch of, you know, bad decision turnovers by their most important player. Do you think the Bills ask too much of Josh Allen? Well, yeah, probably. I mean, it's almost like they're they're trapped, right? He's too good. Uh, I had their game against Green Bay a couple weeks ago, and you know, talking to Bill's people before that game, I was trying to get a sense of like, you know, because we do the fantasy show and all that stuff, trying to get a sense of the running backs and how they all sort out. And, and what they were telling me was like, you know, we like the guys that we have in the run game. We just don't really like taking the ball out of Josh's hands because we feel like that's the best way to win. So I guess they probably do ask a lot of him. They obviously pay him well, and he has the ability to deliver at a very high level. So, um, I don't know. You think the turnovers are a result of them asking too much? I guess that's the key question, right? Because he can certainly do anything they ask him to do, but is he pushing too hard or is he just, you know, one of the comparisons we were making today was Brett Favre. Like Brett Favre had a long, successful Hall of Fame career. He's one of the great quarterbacks of all time, but he never, ever, ever stopped making irresponsible decisions (laughs) on the football field. He just, he was enough of of a benefit to overcome any detriment he might be. And I think that's certainly the case for Josh Allen. I know what the standings say, but there's obviously a lot more that goes into 
um, you know, the, the, the teams and how they're ranked and, it, you know, it's how they look and <clears throat> sometimes it's how they play, when they play and who they play and timing. And uh, there's so much that goes into the, you know, an NFL season, Dan, as you know better than anybody. Where, where are the Bills right now? Are they are they in the upper echelon still? Have they dropped off enough for you to go, eh, they're definitely behind the Chiefs, definitely now behind Miami. You know, Miami beat them. Yeah. They're behind the Eagles. They're behind, you know, DEF, whoever. How far has this team fallen the last two weeks? I mean, like, start with the standings, right? They're in third place <laughs> behind two teams that they lost to head-to-head. So they have a little climbing to do. Like, they, they have to pass these teams because if you end up with tiebreaker situations, they're behind the eight ball on that as well. So um, you step back and assess how good I think this team is based on who's on it, what I've seen, et cetera, you'd still probably put them in a, in a top five if you were doing a top five, right? But, you know, they've also kind of played their way out of that so far. Right? In the last couple of weeks, you, you're not going to – how do you – if you're doing the power rankings, how are you going to put them above Minnesota, who has a better record by two games and just beat them? Like, that's like – that, that, you have to – you know, the Eagles just lost their very first game. The Chiefs, yeah, they lost head-to-head, but they haven't, you know, they haven't had the bad losses. So – we're halfway through the season. I feel like halfway through last season, it still hadn't really all come together for Buffalo the way we thought it would. So they've got a little track record of hitting the gas here in the second half and finishing strong. And I, and I still maintain that they're capable of that. But, you know, the key thing about assessing an NFL season is continuing to adjust when presented with new evidence. And every week gives us some new evidence. And there are some flaws here that I think – a lot of us didn't expect. So how do they respond to them? Yeah, they they lost to the Jaguars last year, and they had that you know brutal game up in Buffalo with the wins, and the Patriots threw it three times. They lost you know in that game, and um, you know obviously the Tampa Bay game. They found something in the second half, and then things took off. ESPN's Dan Graziano with us here on the Panamonium Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Um, the defense, how how much of a concern? is the, I, I have two huge concerns. The concern that they give up too many third and longs and fourth and longs, and also they cannot stop the run, Dan. And and yeah. they've got to be able to adjust to that here very soon. But if you had to pick one or the other, you know, which one kind of jumps out to you as being the, the you know, the biggest problem on D? I'm, co- I'm concerned about the back end because of the injuries and safety. You yeah. know, a lot of their defense is really, it really rests on the ability of, Micah Hyde, who's not coming back, and Jordan Poyer, who's been in and out of the lineup, to be able to, you know, do some erasing back there. And and I think they obviously are very, very deep. But to become thin at that position, I think really strikes at the heart of what they've been about on defense. So while they can overcome it for sure, I think if you're an opposing offense, you see an opportunity that may not have existed before. And the other thing, the last couple of weeks, Right, uh, Milano and Edmonds have kind of been in and out, and and those guys are very important to what they do. So you have elite level players at every level of that defense, and while the backups are good, you know the whole thing with predicting greatness for Buffalo is elite players and how many of them they have. So when you start losing those, then that's how the that's how the opposition gets to say, all right, well here's how we're going to go after. I talked to Matt Lafleur, the Packers coach, before the Packers went to play. And he said, you know, he said this, they're, they're a monster. He said, like, for a lot of teams, you know, you can find, okay, well, here's the weakness. Here's the spot where we want to go after. He said, they don't have that. So uh, that was his read as, a, as an offensive coach that was trying to attack that defense. So they still sort of give that impression when 
uh, coaches are game planning for them. So that's a good thing. But I think, you know, they are going to have to show an ability to fill in for those guys on the back end, particularly Hyde, who is out for the year, as I understand. I have two more quick ones, uh, and then I'll let you roll. This has been amazing, and, and I've obviously enjoyed your work for years. Um, I'll tell you what. Justin Jefferson is, is pretty darn good. I, I'm sure you're, you you're pretty aware, pretty aware of that. Um, he, he may very well be. I mean, you can argue Diggs, you can argue Devonte Adams when he's on, you can argue Cooper cup. You can argue Jamar chase when he's healthy. You could, boy, this guy right here might be the best receiver in, in football. And we saw him just torch the bills. If you had to describe him on the football field to somebody who had never seen him play before, but was about to, what would you say? Um, well, you can't take your eyes off him because you don't know what's going to happen. Like he's he's the he's the Barry Bonds, right? <laughs> like when, when Barry Bonds came up the bat, no sure. one went to go get a beer or, or to the bathroom. Right? Like you had to stay and watch. And I think Justin Jefferson is that guy on the football field. When you talk and look, the Bills fans who are listening, this is this is going to be painful. But from an objective standpoint, you're talking about a play on fourth and eighteen, a gotta have it situation where it appears that the play that was called was irrelevant, and Cousins just decided, I'm going to throw it to Justin because I bet he catches it. And he goes up, parallel to the ground, gets one hand on the ball. The defender has two hands on the ball. And Jefferson still manages to catch it, not only catch it, but hit the ground, keep the ball from hitting the ground, still having only one hand on it. I've never seen anything like it. And you factor in the situation and the caliber of the opponent. like That is... That is what you talk about when you talk about difference-making players. And, and as I just said, Buffalo's got a lot of them. Stephon Diggs is that kind of player uh, when he's at his best. Jefferson right now is doing it better than absolutely anyone else in the league uh, at a position that is a glamour position, that, that is an important position. And you listed all these other guys that are great at it right now. You didn't say Tyree Kill. Could have said I did him not. Too. You're right. But he is as good as it gets at that position right now. Yeah, I think Tyree Kill might even be in the MVP conversation as well. Um, and, yeah, it just goes to show you the unbelievable amount of wide receivers, the skill that they have that I forgot to put Tyree Kill uh, in that group. Uh, hey, I got to tell you, Dan, I mean, I'm noticing here lower scoring in the NFL this year, a lot of running game for a lot of teams. We're going to have Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, uh, even Damian Pierce, uh, Heck, a couple quarterbacks might be in line for an 1,000-yard season. Justin yeah, Fields, no yeah, being one of them. you got Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, Travis Etienne with a nice year, Miles Sanders, and a host more. Are you seeing that maybe we're coming back a little bit to the old days of a more balanced NFL with the pass and the run? Yeah, because it's it's chess game, right, that plays out over years. It's adjustment to adjustment to adjustment. So now the passing games. The, the defenses are playing a lot more, you know, two safety, you know, high take, keep, keep everything in front of you kind of looks because they don't want to get beat deep. So as a result, the offensive coaches have to design more efficient run. The, the reason everybody started throwing is because it was a more efficient way to gain yards and score points. But if you're taking away the deep shots and making everybody play underneath, then the, there can be efficiency found in the run game. Right. So that's what that's the counter adjustment that's happened. Miami's an exception because they have receivers that can run past the, the coverage mm -hmm. two of them. And that's what makes them really, really scary. But a lot of teams are doing this, are going back to that. And, and you see, like you say, Buffalo can't stop the run. Well, look, 
Philadelphia can't stop the run. Dallas can't stop the run. Tampa Bay, which could always stop the run. They've had their troubles this year. Green Bay can't stop the run. The Chargers, I mean, like this, that that's not a coincidence. Teams are running the ball better. And, and that's part of the reason these teams can't stop the run. So the defenses will adjust again. And then the offense will, and that's what makes it such a great game. And that's where the, the nuances really lie year to year when you see, oh, okay, now we have these coaches that are offensive geniuses. Well, there must be some defensive geniuses out there because someone's going to have to stop this. And I think you're seeing a little bit of that. Final thing for you. Uh, I met you years ago when you were uh, all over the New York Yankees beat. And uh, I, I met you, I believe, at Yankee Stadium in 2005, which is 17 years ago already. Yeah, um, man. Covering the Yankees, you know, there's always something, right? They win, they win it all. They're the evil empire. They lose, and it's hot stove. And this team is, you know, wrong for all these reasons. And the fan base (laughs) goes crazy. It's the most famous baseball franchise, and 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 the most successful one in the history of the sport. You covered them day in, day out. Now you're covering the NFL, A to Z, day in, day out, through and through. How are they similar? How are they different? How is it different to cover baseball and football or how did the Yankees? Just the Yan- yeah, the Yankee, the Yankee angle compared to the NFL angle. I think the covering the Yankees gets you gets you in the frame of mind that everything basically every day is a big event, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh every week in the NFL is a big event, but also, you know, there are there are certainly days of the week that fit that description, uh, and the off season to a certain extent too. So, you know, you you, you, you get used to a large audience, and I think that that's been helpful, especially covering the NFL, especially doing it at ESPN, especially moving from print to TV. So, um, yeah, it, and 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 it's competitive. Like when you're on the Yankees beat. When I was on the Yankees beat, there were there were eight other beat writers covering the team on a daily basis, and they were each newspaper or website outlets you know, best guy, right. <laughs> or, or gal, like it was, you know, it, it's highly competitive. And I think, you know, you learn a lot about how to chase news, how to break news, how to spot trends, how to, how to sniff out stories. Um, it, it, it sharpened me, I think. And uh, I think it's been nothing, it's been nothing but helpful. NFL insider for ESPN, Dan Graziano on Twitter at Dan Graziano ESPN. Make sure you give him a follow. Dan, thank you so much for this and, uh, you know, through the years, uh, all your kindness and your time. Uh, really appreciate it. Continued success. Love watching and listening to you. And uh, we'll see what's in store the rest of the way for the Bills and uh, the NFL. Thanks, man. Yeah, my pleasure, Mike. I can't believe you said it's been 17 years. <laughs> I that feels like a long time. But, you know, we just sent a we just sent one of our boys off to college a couple months ago. So I guess that makes some sense. Yeah. Just a terrific interview with Dan Graziano of ESPN. I'm going to give you a few thoughts on the Vikings-Bills game. Uh, I'm so exhausted, you know, reading about this still and talking about it and all this other sort of stuff because it's just it, – it, this one really hits you and hurts you every single day. Like every day I wake up, all I think about is the Bills losing this game. Seriously. I think about the Jets game, sure, but this game was brutal – because, you know, you had to be motivated from the Jets game. And it looked like the Bills were. And they're up 17 points in the third quarter before the Dalvin Cook 81-yard run. And then they're up 10. And with all the mistakes they made, they still went into overtime. They still had chances to win the game. And so it's easy for, you know, look, when you when when you lose, everything goes wrong usually. When you're losing like like this. Or when you have, like, losing streaks. When you're winning, everything usually is going pretty much right. 
I mean, there's very few things that you're not doing right if you you know if you're a six and one football team. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles; they were undefeated before they lost on Monday Night Football. They were pretty much doing everything right. So the Bills are in a little bit of a funk. We have seen this before. Last year they were seven and six. They lost to the Jaguars. They lost that brutal game in Western New York to the Patriots. Uh, the Tampa Bay game they 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 really really could have won that game, um, but they found something in the second half and then rolled from there. And then obviously we know that the Bills were considered by many the best team in the NFL at the moment of 13 seconds last year. And so everything went by the wayside that they did at the end of the year because they choked away uh, a chance to host the AFC title game against Cincinnati last year. What will happen this year? I don't know. I mean, we've seen the last couple of years the Bills hit a funk and certain things, uh, you know, cause that funk. And look, they can't stop the run on defense. They give way, they give up way too many third down and longs and fourth and longs. That Justin Jefferson catch was amazing, no question. But Cam Lewis has got to knock the ball down. I know he started at safety for the first time, uh, but that stuff is, you know, you do those things in practice, you know? You really do. I mean, that's a practice rep situation. Um, I've heard from a lot of people, well, yeah, but it's Justin Jefferson. He went up and got it, you know, took it away from him. He didn't take it away from him. He made a great catch without his, you know, Cam Lewis's hands getting in there and batting it down. Watch the replay. Watch where the ball is, the placement, how he catches the football. It, it, he, 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 he grabbed it. It was a great catch, but Cam Lewis should have batted it down. Both things can be true, and that's what happened in that spot. Uh, the Bills, you know, penalties, offsides, uh, you got bad holding, all that stuff. But I think at the top of the oh, and by the way, play calling is brutal as well, right? I mean, coaching has been really, really shaky the last two weeks. I mean, you think about this game against Minnesota. My goodness, I mean, Sean McDermott. You know, you're you're up ten points. You know your quarterback is struggling psychologically in the red zone. It's fourth and two. You can kick a field goal and go up thirteen, which is different than ten. It's still a two possession game either way. But Minnesota needs two touchdowns instead of a touchdown and a field goal to tie the game. Uh, you know, they need two touchdowns to take the lead if you're up 13. You're up 10, it's a touchdown and a field goal. It's it, it's a different, it's kind of a different deal. Now, I do understand where McDermott was coming from, only because, hey, if we can get this quick two yards, the game's over, right? I would have rather had the field goal happen because Josh Allen has struggled in the red zone so bad, and voila, Josh Allen throws an interception, which leads me to, oh, and by the way, the abandoning of the run game, by Ken Dorsey, they had Devin Singletary in the first half. He was hot. They dressed five running backs. Why did they dress all those running backs if they're not going to use them? I have no idea. But now that we've gotten all of that out in the air, out in the open, the number one problem is the quarterback. Josh Allen is a guy who is an elite quarterback in this league. I still believe he's an elite quarterback. He just needs to get out of this funk. He Something's happening inside his head. I don't know what it is. Um, you know, but he's kind of going against himself. It kind of seems like he has to press and he, he, he's like, I got to make this play. I have to do this. I have to do that. And I feel like, you know, the bills should be helping him out a little bit with play calling. Oh, by the way, another play call was the stupid quarterback sneak after the bills had just made an unbelievable defensive stand against Minnesota. If you recall, Cousins threw it on fourth down to Dalvin Cook. Uh, it was incomplete, but Jordan Phillips you know, jumped off sides, and then uh, the Vikings had another shot half the, half, half the distance of the goal line, and, and it's Kirk Cousins trying to sneak it in. <clears throat> the Bills stuff him, and you're thinking as a Bills fan, okay, cool, 
like game's pretty much over, right? Like just get out of the end zone, you know, just that one foot line, just a little bit. Now the Bills work predominantly out of shotgun. Why didn't they go to shotgun in that space? Give Josh Allen some more room. Quick slant that baby to Diggs or somebody right across, right at the one yard line. Have him go up a couple yards and the game's over. At that point, there's 40, 45 seconds to tick off the clock. The game is over. Instead, they asked Josh Allen in a week when he was recovering from an elbow ailment that nobody knew how serious it really, really was. I mean, it changed day to day. We didn't know if he'd miss one week, three weeks, five weeks, the whole season, no time. We had no idea. He was recovering from that injury, and you're at the one foot line. If you're at the other end, sure, you take your 6'5", 240-pound quarterback and send him straight up the middle to get the touchdown at the one foot line on their end zone, right? At their end zone line, not yours. And I just thought that that was a lot to ask of Josh Allen to, to get at least, you know, gosh, a few more feet or a yard, you know, to get out of that area. I thought that was way, way, way too much to ask. But the Bills' number one problem, having said all those things, is Josh Allen really is battling himself and he's pressing really, really hard. And this has gone back now, what, 10 quarters, right? Because he was screwing up against the Jets, multiple picks. I mean, awful, awful picks. Momentum-killing picks, drive-killing picks in the red zone. Horrendous. Minnesota, two interceptions, the fourth and two. And then as the Bills were driving down to try to, you know, basically take the lead and win the game in OT, he throws an interception. He had Gabe Davis right when he looked at him. He waited a little bit longer. He didn't take what the defense gave him in Devin Singletary. And a lot of times, you know, he's been doing that. That's been a very uh, vocal topic by many, many uh, people in the sports media about how he's just not taking what the defense gives him. Um, you know, drop it to Singletary there. Maybe he had it in his head and he remembered that he fumbled. I don't know. Uh, but but he threw it late to Davis and it was picked off by Patrick Peterson. And that was it. And... It was just an inexcusable two throws. Inexcusable. And so, sure, the guy put up 330 yards through the air. He put up 84 on the ground, right? I mean, Josh Allen is a special football player. We know that. He had 414 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown throwing. But the two interceptions were absolutely killer for the Bills. Because if the fourth and two gets converted, and I blame McDermott more than Allen there, but if you convert that, the game is over. It is over. And that's where McDermott was thinking, okay? Now, with all the things being said, the Bills still had the shot to drive down and win. And I got to tell you, at the very least in overtime, if the Bills, let's say Josh Allen doesn't throw that interception to Peterson, right? He doesn't He doesn't throw it. Then it's third down. The Bills, let's say, don't get it on third down. And you say, okay, I'm going to kick the field goal. And if we tie it, we that's it, right? We tie Okay, doesn't six two and one look a lot better than six and three, right? It, it, of course it does. So at the absolute very least, and I'm convinced that the Bills still probably would have gone for it because that's just kind of been the new mantra here for Sean McDermott. Uh, and, and you know, for a while they weren't going for it on fourth and one, and all of a sudden McDermott like flipped the switch. You know, I don't know when it was last year, year and a half ago, somewhere in there, uh, when it started going for it all the time, and now. You know, it's the same thing under Ken Dorsey. Josh Allen, if he, you know, look, if, if, if they don't get that and they tie, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world to tie the Vikings and you're 6-2-1 at that point. You don't lose as much ground. 
Titans, you know, and Chiefs both won. The Ravens had the week off. The Dolphins had the week off. The Jets had the week off. So, you know, this this was a big loss. And and the Jets game, <clears throat> you know, was a big loss. So, um, you know, all those problems are there. There's no question. But I think the number one issue is Josh Allen. You know, Josh Allen has got to clean up his mistakes. He's got to throw the ball away. He's got to stop forcing stuff. He's got to stop pressing. I think the coaches have got to get in a room with him as well and come to some kind of an agreement like, hey, we're going to do A, B, C, D to help you at this particular point. You know, they, 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 he needs help, and they're asking him to do a lot right now. Probably too much, right? A um, couple other quick thoughts on this game. Um, you know, Stephon Diggs is, is just completely and utterly unstoppable as well. Um, I know Justin Jefferson got a lot of the accolades, 10 catches, 193 yards, and a touchdown. He was unstoppable. Um, you know, again, the Bills defense was brutal, you know, against the run again. They gave up 119 yards and a touchdown to Dalvin Cook. He averaged eight and a half a carry. Um, you know, for as much as we heard about Jefferson, Stephon Diggs made an unbelievable one-handed catch too, but he did have a third down drop. That was a huge, huge, huge play in the game. Um, you could argue that one there. You know, if he makes that catch, the game's over as well. Um, you know, Gabe Davis, it was kind of a little bit of a comeback game. For Gabe Davis. I mean, he had a touchdown. He had six catches for 93 yards. You look at it from that standpoint, you're like, well, okay, there's our number two, right? He's had kind of a rocky, you know, roller coaster sort of up and down type of year. But that was a Gabe Davis that we know. I mean, that was the vintage get open. Um, you know, I, they got a break. I mean, another break for the Bills, uh, you know, with Gabe Davis. Uh, that, that was an incomplete pass, obviously. But you know, the Bills went up, snapped it early, and, 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 and they couldn't review it at that point. Um, but Gabe Davis, I mean, if he can continue to play that way like he did against Minnesota, that's great stuff. Um, as far as the defense goes, I mean, Tremaine Edmonds not being in there in the second half really, really killed a lot of what the Bills were able to do with the run defense. I mean, they contained Delvin Cook for the most part before that 81-yard run, and with Edmonds not being in there, that 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 really hurt them because I think Edmonds and Milano both play off each other with the run extremely well. Um, I did not think that a lot of guys had great games, uh, uh, good games even, for the Bills' defense. Um, I thought Christian Benford got a lot of tackles by default. He got torched by Jefferson early. Uh, you know, Taron Johnson kind of, you know, has been lacking for plays in the last couple games. Um, you know, DeMar Hamlin seems to always be there. He's pretty darn good. Um, you know, again, Cam Lewis didn't bat that ball down. He did not have a good game. Um, you know, Milano was, was good and then disappeared, then good, then disappeared. Um, you know, I thought AJ Vanessa was pretty good. I thought Shaq Lawson was pretty good. I thought Boogie Basham was pretty good. I thought Ed Oliver was, was, was solid, not great, not awful. Um, but this team, you know, they've got a lot of work to do. And with that, we look ahead to the game this Sunday against the Cleveland Browns, a team that is playing with a backup quarterback, a team that is just not playing well overall. And they have, don't get me wrong, they have a host of great players on this roster. I've said it for, I don't know, a few years now, that I think the Cleveland roster is one of the best in the NFL. They just don't have the quarterback, right? It's like minus the quarterback, and that's what you need. Now, <clears throat> they are getting that reinforcement soon into Sean Watson. I don't think he should be allowed to play, you know, the entire year. But <clears throat> this is a team that does have a cornerstone franchise running back in Nick Chubb. They have an A number one wide receiver in Amari Cooper, right? Um, I know his yards aren't that much more than Donovan Peoples-Jones at this point, 
but he is their A number one, and he's great in the red zone as well, right? Defensively, they have a cornerstone cornerback in Denzel Ward. They have a defensive end who is a monster in Miles Garrett with seven and a half sacks on the year, right? They have those kind of players, but they've lacked the quarterback position. Jacoby Brissett, the Bills know him. He's throwing five picks this year. Um, you know, he can be had. This is a very simple, simple game plan. I hear that there's going to be like a foot and a half of snow in Buffalo, maybe more for this game. So we'll see how that impacts the way these teams try to move the football. But it's very simple to me and very simple, I'm sure, to you. Uh, uh, stop Nick Chubb, you know, contain Nick Chubb, like stack boxes and all the rest. I don't know what the injury report card looks like at this very second, um, <clears throat> you know, as, as, as far as guys, you know, being uh, able and ready. Um, I, I don't know, you know, Edmonds, uh, uh, will they have multiple other injuries that we don't know about right now? Um, you know, hopefully not, but they need without question, without question, they have got to stop Nick Chubb or at the very least contain him. And if you do that and force Jacoby Brissett to throw the ball and win against you, you probably are going to get him to turn the ball over and do well. Now we thought that, <clears throat> you know, same thing, excuse me, was, was going to happen with Zach Wilson and the Jets. They were able to run the football, and they called plays. They designed plays for Zach Wilson to get rid of the football immediately when it was hiked to him, and that was a big difference in the game. The Jets went in with that offensive game plan, and by the time the Bills screwed around, you know, and kind of let the Jets back in this thing, um, you know, that, that 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 was, you know, he was playing well enough at that point. I mean, the Bills, you know, they were up, uh, I think, 14-3, right? They squandered that lead. It was 14-10 at the half, and then the Bills didn't get in the end zone the rest of the game. They scored a measly field goal in the third, in the fourth quarter, and Allen had those two horrendous, horrendous interceptions. So, um, you know, the, the game plan here, get Nick Chubb, stack the box, go after him, do whatever it takes. I don't care if you pinch safeties. I don't care if you pinch corners. I don't care what you do with this running back. He is the number one running back in the NFL, okay? He is absolutely a load. He's unbelievable east to west. He's unbelievable north-south. Um, he busts tackles. He's awfully difficult to bring down. Um, I think, though, that the Bills win this game. I think they come out with, you know, some fire. Um, I thought they came out with some fire against Minnesota. The, the issue was just, you know, hello, you know, like holding on to the lead, basically, right? Um, and I stand corrected. Nick Chubb has 904 yards. Saquon Barkley with 931. Derrick Henry with 923. So he's third in the NFL for yards rushing. But he could be, I mean, he, you can argue Nick Chubb's the best running back in the NFL. You can argue it. You know, you could take Henry, you could take Barkley, you could take Chubb. I don't think, I don't think it goes beyond that. I think it's one of those three guys right now. And I think if the Bills can kind of work their way through and slow him down a little bit, you know, kind of use that same game plan they had with Derrick Henry on Monday Night Football. Uh, I think the Bills, you know, can win this game by double digits. But it's got to start and end with Josh Allen. He's got to correct a lot of that. Again, I don't know if he'll be throwing a ton because of the weather. I don't know. Um, but I would expect, you know, the running backs, they've got to get, maybe this is the Naheem Hines game. I mean, why did they trade for him if they're not going to use him, right, really? Uh, you know, <clears throat> James Cook, he runs kind of, you know, I don't know, he kind of runs a little a little jagged. I, I don't, I haven't really figured him out yet at the NFL level and it's early. Why, why would we figure it out? Right. Um, 
I think he has great potential. Uh, Devin Singletary, again, running the ball very well at the start of games, and then they abandon the run. Uh, the Bills on that fourth and two where Allen threw the interception, if you remember, they only needed two yards, and they threw it three straight times on second, third, and fourth downs. That is inexcusable. One of those should have been a run. I'm not saying fourth down, but certainly second or third. I mean, if you run it on second and don't get it, you know, okay, you know, you can run it again on third. Maybe it's third and one. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's a no game, so it's third and two. You, you give it back to them. Um, or, you know, roll Allen out at that point. You know, I mean, that play seems to work for the Bills where they fake the, the, the handoff and, and kind of have him bootleg around and, he you know, he gets to the edge and, and he gets, you know, the yards that are needed. So, um, but that's where I land on this game. I'm going to pick the Bills, and I think it's going to be a low-scoring game because of the snow factor. Um, look, if the snow is there but it stops snowing for the most part and it's just kind of clear to the side and all that, the Bills will probably throw the ball as much as they normally do. Um, we'll see. Uh, I think Cleveland's going to run the damn thing no matter what. They're going to run so hard, um, you know, right at the Bills as they should. They have Nick Chubb. The book is out on the, the Bills' defense, obviously, with the Jets running it. You had the Delvin Cook running all over them. We've got two more games against the Patriots. you got to face Joe Mixon with the Bengals. Uh, the, the Bills have a lot of, of challenges ahead of them as far as the running back position goes. I'm going to go low scoring in this contest. Let's go Bills 23-17 to 17 over the Cleveland Browns Sunday in Orchard Park. Thanks for listening to the Pandemonium Podcast here on the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. Unbelievable spot with Dan Graziano of ESPN. Many thanks to him. Hey, make sure you hit me on Twitter as well, at Mike L Sports, and follow our Built-In Buffalo handles all over social media. Uh, our brand new YouTube channel, Built-In Buffalo. Go subscribe, uh, download, uh, subscribe, rate and review to the podcast network as well. A host of shows, video and audio, seven days a week, builtinbuffalonews.com for a ton of great content and articles and uh, on Twitter at built in Buffalo underscore. We just hit the 13,000 follow mark. So really appreciate that as well. I'm Mike Lindsley here on the pandemonium podcast on the built in Buffalo podcast network. And Hey, as I always tell you, enjoy the games. Hey.